Hey guys, welcome to a super special spooktacular hosted by Four Guys in a Comic. I'm Rusty Surfer, and although Tap could not join us today, I am happy to introduce the Red Skull and Nova. So, get this, guys. I uh, wanted to start off this Halloween bonanza with like a super special Mad Libs, if y'all are cool with it. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't done one in a while, and I wanted to do something different from our ongoing story. So I wrote something out special. Well, kind of special. I, I don't. Okay, I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't write it out. I was at an estate sale early today, and for some guy, I guess he was an older guy that passed away, an older gentleman. And, um, I mean, I found a box of comics, and, I mean, I pulled this one comic out that looked unique and old. I mean, it was only, like, 50 cent, and, I mean, it had, like, a Mad Libs in it. What, um, do you know what book it was? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't really sure who made the comic. It said something about, like, Moonshine Comics, but, I mean, it looks like it might be from the 50s or something. I mean, I was flipping through it uh, just because it was like the story and the, the art looked okay and stuff. And um, I found this really cool section in it with the Mad Libs. And that was the main reason that I wanted to get it was just because of the Mad Libs. And I was like, this is a weird coincidence, you know? Yeah. And so uh, that sold me on it. But, um, you know, so I figured we could do that tonight. We could start this off this super spooktacular with a Mad Libs out of a comic from some rando dude's house i guess I like so that. yeah cool. i mean i it, it could be fun right yeah. Oh, yeah all right all right so you know what hold on let me just pause the recording real fast and i'm gonna get some answers and then uh we'll find out how cool this is um red you're gonna go first though okay yeah i'm ready to go first and if you say it's moonshine comics you know i'm really intrigued because you know they had this weird spooky thing that well we'll talk about that later but yeah i'm ready okay cool 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 all right let me pause this real fast I've been at sea for four months on the USS Enterprise. We finally got a call to port, but it was for an odd reason. Apparently, we got word from base that two civvies went missing in a town nearby while vacationing. I figured it wasn't too big of a deal, but one of the people missing just so happens to be an ex-military and pretty close friends with Captain Kangaroo. The sight of a small ship dispatched to port slowly unloads as sailor after sailor walks off the boat and onto land. Red Skull takes a step on dry land and sighs with relief. Oh, the only orders we got were to qu be quick and not to get sidetracked with the locals. Something weird is in the air about this place, and I feel like they aren't telling us everything. This little town in Thailand has many local legends. The scariest one of all is the legend of the Killer Fog. The folks seem to be superstitious, but that could work to my advantage. The sailor starts to walk around the city. What feels like hours go by. He sees storefronts and windows filled with mannequins. The town people look at him with a questioning glare because of his uniform. All these folks seem as though this might be the first time they've seen a U.S. Navy man in uniform. There isn't much to do here, so maybe I could find something that screams tourist. As Red finishes his sentence, he sees a sign across the distance. As he walks toward it, the words scenic tour maps come into focus. A man is standing on the corner of the street wearing red briefs. He starts to scream, Get your maps here! Scenic tour maps for sights and adventures! Get your maps! 
Red starts to approach the man. Hi! I'm from the U.S. Navy, and we are looking for a missing couple. Maybe you've seen them around town. I pulled out a picture that has been proved to help uh, describe the missing man. He tells me that he recognized the couple from about a week ago. They were asking about a spring that they heard about from some of the locals. The man with the maps tells me he told them to go visit Moscow, and that at this time of year the path to the spring is pretty dangerous. But that if you aren't a local, it is very easy to find something you don't want to in the trees. Whatever that means. The man then proceeds to tell me that they were very stubborn, that he eventually gave them the map to the spring, but to watch out for the person in the trees. These locals are funny, so full of imagination and belief. Next thing you know, I'll be told Foghorn Leghorn has a house in the ocean here. I bid the man adieu and carry on with my mission. Red Skull finds the opening in the trees after walking a mile down the road, according to the map. The sun is starting to set, so if I want to do a quick recon, I need to be fast. According to this map, I cut through the trees right here. I can shave off a good amount of time and be back before nightfall. Legend or not, I'm trained for every situation. Let's see what these fools are talking about. Red Skull starts his journey into the woods. After ten minutes go by, Red starts to get a weird feeling again as if something is watching him. He begins to quicken his pace when suddenly he hears a loud scream. In a fit of fear, he prepares to protect himself when suddenly he feels a pain in his back. He hits the ground and lets out a scream as he only sees the feet of something he can't describe. Red starts to feel dizzy as he feels himself being dragged across the dirt. The smell of rotting flesh is the last thing he remembers before everything turns black. Well, that uh, that story was, I guess it was a pretty solid story for an yeah. old comic. Uh, it's kind of uh, weird, though, Red, that it had to do with the Navy. Weren't you in the Navy? Yeah, I was in the Navy. I mean, no. we, we talk about it and stuff, but it's kind of yep. weird how that works. <clears throat> out i mean i i mean i just opened the comic now so mm -hmm. i mean i don't know that's weird yeah like i say i was in the navy and actually i was in thailand and they do have a lot of superstitions and uh yeah interesting huh. yeah well uh nova i i guess it's your turn uh let me get some uh answers for you real fast let me pause this okay who the hell said going to college would pay off I feel like the only thing that's going to be paying off is me with all these loans. Almost 30000 in debt and the interest is only going to make it worse. The job market? It's horrible. Every entry-level job I find has some kind of ridiculous requirement. My favorite of all is, needs five years of experience. Five years? I didn't even go to college for five years. Where am I supposed to find this experience? Every internship doesn't want to pay and I feel like a slave. This company called Pepsi gave me a call recently, but I'm unsure. It seems really sketch, and my fiancé keeps telling me she thinks it's a scam. The money seems right, though, so how am I going to pass it, pass it up, especially when we just moved in together? The company said I would need to go to the training, though, in some foreign country. I may be in this cab on the way there, but I couldn't even pronounce the town and had to show the driver who smells like juicy couture perfume this piece of paper with the address on it. We pull up to a very small building that looks like it's falling apart. It looks as if corrosion went to work on it. 
I get out of the cab with my suitcase and pay the driver. I guess this is it. Nova begins to walk up to the door, which has empanada written on the front. He knocks, and suddenly, a very elderly man opens the door. Is this where the Pepsi training is? The man pushed me inside quickly, where a sewing machine and a few kids appear to be the only things in this one-room building. A pile of comic books lay in a pile on the floor. The man begins to tell me in very broken English that my training would begin tomorrow and I would be learning how to make banana bread. He tells me that there are certain <laughs> contracts I must sign and that I need to give him a series of $100 deposits over a series of, few, of a few months. After reading over the contracts, I realize what this is. A pyramid scheme that seems to be more based off of how much money I put in their pockets. I've been tricked. I wasted all this money to get out here and it was pointless. I knew it was too good to be true. I feel like a kid tricked by an ad in the back of some comic saying, Make three bucks a week. I am not a fool. You are a selfish man and this game will not have me look like a dunce. He starts to yell at me as I walk toward the door. I couldn't tell you a word he said. Something about the Canadian Bill of Rights and how we are just a bunch of pandas. Nova busts through the door in a fit of rage and starts walking toward the trees. He remembers seeing on the way here a town around the bend just past them. As he journeys deeper into the trees, he begins to hear noises, as if something was being dragged. He starts to quicken his pace when suddenly a loud noise comes from the distance. He begins to run as fast as he can through the trees. Dirt is kicked into the air as he hops over the brush and fallen tree limbs that occasionally block his path. A scream startles him as if someone is standing next to him. <coughs> something hits the ground in front of him, which stops Nova dead in his tracks. Suddenly, he feels a pain in his pinky toe. Nova hits the ground and sees what he thinks is a man in uniform in front of him, laying motionless. The feeling of warmth runs across his body as he starts to feel sick. The smell of rotting flesh is the last thing he remembers before he goes unconscious. Wow. So, that was also really dark. Um, I, I don't know, that's, that's weird. Mm, I see. I see an interlinking uh, story coming on. <laughs> Think so? Hmm. Um, you know what but, these? You know what this reminds me of? Did you ever, Rusty? You may have watched this, uh, Freaky Stories. No, I don't. I don't know what that no? is. Okay. No, I've never. No, what is that? It was like a '90s series, and it was. Um, I guess it was a Canadian show, so maybe that's why. Um, it was just sort of these like really like these really weird horror stories um that were sort of just this reminded me a lot of it or like those goosebumps books um yeah brings back i've never books. read a goosebumps oh, seen the movie i love the book I, when you're talking about movies i think of creep show you ever guys who ever watch creep show i have not oh I'm, I'm generally not the biggest um i'm not the biggest horror fan but mm. i enjoy once in a while yeah, check out Creepshow. Older uh, movies. Uh, it's, oh my gosh, late '80s, early '90s, roughly. Uh, memory serves Stephen King, and it's basically a whole bunch of short stories put all together in one movie. Yeah, Creepshow is actually really cool. It's yeah, like yeah. you said, it was written by Stephen King. The first one was in the '80s, and then the second one came out in I guess the late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. But there's actually yes. a third one that came out like three years ago, and it's really bad. Yeah, yeah. But the one story that always pops in my head is the one with the cockroaches. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about and how the room oh, fills with them. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was just. Then they had one story with 
was it Kirk Benedict, you know, face from the A team. And then the end, he I, gets buried on the beach up to his neck. <laughs> oh, you're t- no, 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 no. That's, uh, that's Leslie Nielsen. Oh, is it Leslie Nielsen? It's Leslie Nielsen from Naked Gun. Okay. You got to remember, I haven't watched him since the movies came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, it's, it's super cool. Oh, one of my favorite ones out of all of them is actually in uh, the second movie, though. And um, it's about an Indian, like, okay, you know how back in the day they had the wooden Indians in front of uh, buildings or whatever? Yeah, yeah, like, the tobacco uh, stores and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. Well, uh, like, it's like on a reservation, and, like, these uh, this group of Indian teenagers keep robbing stores, and one of the stores they rob has the Indian in front of it, and they, like, spit on it, and they everything, like, desecrate it, and it, like, comes to life and, like, hunts them down, basically. It's kind of cool. I thought it was creative. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it is Halloween in a few days, like two days to be exact. Yeah. Two days to be exact. And I mean, uh, how uh, has it been uh, for y'all? Y'all got any plans for Halloween? Well, to survive. <laughs> la- last week I went, um, we have this amusement park called Wonderland here. And th- around this time of year for the month of October, they they have this event called Halloween haunt where the entire amusement park is sort of, uh, Halloweenified. So there's like people in freaky costumes running around and it just feels like a, like a haunted town sort of. And they have these like epic mazes and haunted uh, houses and stuff. Um, so I went there with my, with my girlfriend and a a few of our friends. That was a lot of fun. Mm. I I found myself laughing more, uh, just because, I get amused when other people get scared. And yeah, I, it was fun though. Yeah. I like that, that sounds stuff. like cool. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, if you, you guys know me, I like to, you know, do interesting oddball things. And it was, gosh, my God, it was maybe in 2001, I think ish. Um, me and a few people, we went up to uh, Boston, Massachusetts on Halloween and we went, you know, of course, you know, we went up to, uh, I'm sorry, went up to, up to Salem, Massachusetts, and the whole town was just, you know, gone crazy for Halloween, obviously. They had all the tourist spots open at night. You know, you can go see the dungeons and where they were carried, you know, had the courts for the witches and all that stuff. And it was kind of cool because it was at midnight on Halloween, I was standing in a graveyard in Salem, Massachusetts. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. It was cool. It was a, it was a fun night. There's this other place that um, it's, they do the same kind of thing during the month of October as the other one I just mentioned, but it's like a it's like an old castle, mm-hmm. um, which I really want to go to because that sounds awesome. Like a haunted castle, like or you know, not really, but I mean, yeah, thematically done like that, I think would be pretty cool to go visit. So in Fort Worth, uh, just. A little south, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes south of uh, Denton, there is a haunted attraction called the Cutting Edge. And it is known to be one of the top, like, five scariest or best haunted houses in the United States. And um, get this, though. Uh, You have to sign a waiver to go through it, okay? And it is set up in an abandoned meat factory. Oh, and there's actually multiple levels to it. So like you're going from first floor to second floor to third floor. Yeah. 
And so, um, but everyone says it's crazy. I've never been. I've always wanted to. Um, it's a little pricey, uh, but uh, everyone says it's fun. And, it, and that's one of the cool things about Texas is there's a bunch of stuff like that. Even in Denton, we got a haunted trail thing. It's like called our house. I don't know. It's called the Parker House. But uh, I need to check it out. But yeah, with Halloween coming up too, you know, as I've been looking at, you know, I, I've been in the kind of mood to kind of, you know, read something kind of horish or whatever. So I had looked up a list. You know, I've been looking up lists like what are some of the best ones to read, and I came across this, you know, one list that is they, you know, they their fame to claim is the top ten scariest comics that you can read. And I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with them because that's normally not my genre either. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. but So I want to say that I think I have on my short boxes um, a copy of uh, Harvest. And if memory serves, it has some like sexy nurses on it that are kind of like scary looking. You know, I think they have like blood on them and some syringes or something if memory serves correctly. Yeah. yeah. Then let's see. Nine on the list. I'll kind of go over them quickly. Uh, crossed. I think okay. we're all familiar with that one. Yeah. 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 Uh, Neon-Omicon. Necronomicon? That's by Alan Moore, right? Yep, yep. Alan Moore. Yep. Uh, this one I'm not familiar with. Uh, Verotica. Haven't heard and, of that. No idea. Yeah, and it's by various artists, it, it hmm. says. Uh, the other after that, it's uh, Ferals by uh, David Lapham. Okay. Uh, followed by Lock and Key by Joe Hill. Uh, IDW, yep. Yeah. Uh, Echoes by Joshua Filkov. Filkov? I'm pronouncing that right, oh, right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three was uh, an unauthorized biography of a serial killer by Josh D. Fisher. That sounds like it could be interesting. Let's see. Two was Severed by Scott Snyder. And finally, this one, which believe it or not, I, I'm just not familiar with. It's uh, Uzuma Uzumaki. Oh, I've heard of that. Uzumaki. It's a manga, though, yeah. That's probably why, because I'm not into the manga. So, I was going to say, me and Nova, we could uh, both uh, agree on Tales from the Dark Side, right, Joe Hill? Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. That's, um, see, it depends what kind of, like, I think there's two ways to look at Halloween, is just the horror where you're absolutely frightened, um, or the horror where it's sort of like, the fun side of it where there's people like just the whole costumes aspect or and what I'm thinking of basically is the goon or Hellboy where it's not exactly scary, but mm-hmm. they've got like werewolves, vampires, zombies and stuff. And it feels like yeah. it's set, like it's permanently set in Halloween mm-hmm. time, but it's not mm-hmm. overly frightening. It's like a lot of, you know, fun and like Archie, the horror, what is that? Oh, Archie. Right. Afterlife. Archie after Archie. Archie. Afterlife. Yeah. 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 To me, a good a good horror comic is one that st- doesn't have all of the you know the werewolves, vampires, whatever, but it's more the psychological thriller or something that just makes you think afterwards. Yeah. Now yeah. and yeah. yeah, I guess so. I was gonna say you like the psychological stuff. I think with me, it's like the idea of like a like a, like slasher almost, like a killer or something like. Um, in Carnage, I, you said that it felt like it was, Carnage lately has felt more like a book catered to it being October because almost the whole mm-hmm. story has to do with the Darkhold and now they're on some island with like voodoo 
and he's basically like gonna sacrifice and there's like druids and cults and stuff Mm -hmm. and it just feels like super dark and i don't know if they planned it out because it is october and they're going through all this or not but Mm -hmm. carnage lately has just seemed like almost more like a horror movie than just a psychopath killer yeah it's kind of weird uh, but also um, something that I read recently uh, that came out was uh, Lord of Gore by Daniel Leister. And mm-hmm. uh, that was spot on. And I mean, I did not think that it was I thought it was going to be like some kind of fantasy story. But really, it's about a about like a movie that was made or a TV show uh, based on a killer and that was written a long time ago and been in this one company called the uh the headsman and um it's about the headsman ending up being like real i don't know how to describe Mm. it but it's like a movie it's a movie with a story within a movie i don't know how to describe it it's Mm. a, a story outside of a movie and the whole thing's based on this movie yeah so they're, they're like at a comic convention and they're talking about the writer and the artist and the guys who came up with it and stuff, the actors. But then this character from the movie ends up being real and it's weird. It's really good story, though. If you read it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I mean, Nova, have you read it yet? No, I have not. Have you read it, Red? No, no, I have not. I'm familiar oh, with well, it. Well, y'all got to give it a, a try. And the art is yeah. fantastic. Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, I, I do a lot. I do like his work. But no, kind of circling back with the psychological stuff, two things that I really enjoy. And I know one of them I think you read, Nova, and that's a nail biter. Yes. Yes. That I know. And it's just, you really, you just, you read it and then you reflect on it. Yeah. You, you do. It's kind of cool how you never know what's really going to happen on the next page with that book it's sort of the equivalent mm-hmm. of like you never know what's right around the corner in terms of horror um so yeah and i mean it's it, it's great stuff it, it i don't yeah. know if you've read it rusty it's kind of what you're looking for with the whole slasher uh, vibe to it mm-hmm. see then, then, i've I'm looked sorry. into nail biter but i mm-hmm. i think i i haven't i haven't read it's a i don't it's about um basically like a, a serial killer yeah serial mm-hmm. killer town yeah. and uh the dude has a problem with biting his nails right while he kills people yeah, mm-hmm. kind of really. yeah chewing chewing the other person's nails yeah yeah, yeah um yeah yeah now, now that we're talking about all these halloween comics I'm, mm-hmm. i've always been interested in um like the the tales tales from the crypt comics I've always wanted yes to me too, man. And there's Same not here. many of them. And I can never find... Like, the thing is, is I find reprints of them occasionally. Okay? If but you can find them good quality. Fa- <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've never seen, like, first prints. Even, like, I guess... I, I just haven't seen first prints of it. Even online and stuff. I mean, I, you can find them online, but just, like, in random auctions and stuff, you never see that stuff go across an auction. Yeah. Well, you kind of figure that genre, you know, it is, you know, pretty popular. And it's, that's why it's kind of hard to get get them, you know. But you got to think, Tales from the Crypt is pretty old, you know. To have multiple series, the first series came out in 1950. Next one, then they had like a couple that came out in the 1960s. Uh, I think they revised a little bit later in the 1990s. But those earlier ones from the 50s and 60s, it, that's just why it's just so difficult to get. 
you know. It, and I think before that, it was uh, formally called. Uh, Wasn't it like Erie Magazine or something? Something like that. Like that. Yeah, it was. It was something. It had a different name to it. Because I know they like, did Eerie, and then they did Creepy, and it was all by like EC Comics or something yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, some yeah. They did weird yeah. science as well, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can. There are there are hardcovers that Dark Horse is printing now, but they're pretty pricey, I will say. Yeah, actually, while we're talking, I'm jumping on eBay. I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's something that I've always wanted to own, though. Like, you, definitely Nova. And I mean, what's even sad is I've kind of gone on Comixology and looked for some of these uh, Tales from the Crypt, and they actually have a few new titles that are free to uh, read on there. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really read them yet, but I looked into it, and uh, in mine and your account, we do have those. Oh, I gotta, I gotta check those out. I do know yeah. that, speaking of Comixology, they've been doing quite a bit of uh they've done some horror sales recently um for people who are interested i don't know what exactly has been for sale but um i'm sure there's some good stuff but yeah um there we go here's a tales from the crypt 4.5 issue number 19 graded at a 4.5 from 1950 uh 455 wow yeah and and that's a cheap one. I mean, here's a 6.5 for 700. Yeah, they're, they are I mean, pricey. I'd, I'd go for like a garbage quality one just to check out. Yeah, I'm looking at a garbage. Right? Here, here's, a, here's a garbage copy. Issue number 37 going for 25 bucks. Yeah, just, to, just to check it out. But you can get the full uh, um, trade paperback set of every single one for 175 uh oh, that might be a good investment for you, Nova. Yeah, and it looks like it's. I'm looking at the picture. It looks like it's about six uh, trades all put together in one big box. Ooh. Yeah, it looks pretty good actually. Yeah, it is. But uh, the other thing I was going to throw out there is, you know, you know, we're talking about uh, psychological and creepy stuff. Is uh, Outcast? Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. And I threw it out to you guys last podcast last week. Rusty, did you have a chance to read it all? I did not. Oh, man. Well, believe it or not, I didn't even remember uh, you talking about it until uh, <laughs> I started right. listening to the thing again. Like, yeah. No way. But no, you're talking about something great to read for Halloween. Hands down, that is my number one pick. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a good choice. Yeah. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. Sounds like the witching hour over there. <laughs> <laughs> Coffins are opening. Right? Yeah. Uh, you uh, you got like uh, your uh, Nosferatu uh, in the back back there. The mummy sleeping downstairs red. Uh, see, Frankenstein's not... down in the crypt. See, see, here's not so bad. What I'd be worried about is Nova's basement from last Halloween. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> We've moved. <laughs> oh, there you go. Is it, is it He's like, it's worse? okay. They didn't find the bodies in the move. I live in the basement now, so I'm the keeper of all these secrets. Oh. So that's what all that rotting flesh smell is, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I've been gagging over and over again for the people who can't see. <laughs> um, Man, now that you keep talking about Tales from the Crypt, it makes me want to pick up that series now. Right? I can't stop thinking about it. I know there was like, this is how desperate I was to 
see what like the weird weird science books were like one uh, one day there are videos on youtube where people do own these comics and they sort of flip through them and mm-hmm. you can just sort of experience it that way if you really want to and it looks awesome like it's just crazy in terms of weird science just crazy sci-fi even a bit of horror in there too like it's creepy sci-fi tales um, but yeah really it would be really nice to find anything and they're not even on comiXology like there are newer ones like you mentioned rusty but none of the none of the older ones it sucks because dark horse is keeping all these they're printing all these hardcovers so i know they could put it on comiXology if they wanted to but why do that when they can sell a $125 you know, hardcover? Because everyone set. is just as curious as us, right? I mean, look at us. Mm-hmm. We're talking about it. And we're like, dang, we want to get our, you know, I could Oh, my gosh. That. Here's a, a, a issue number 31, very fine near mint, graded at, an, not even graded. They, they, they put it at a nine yeah. for 844 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. About a gold, right? I got to find some reader, just reader copies. I know, I know next week we're going to be hearing from Red about. <laughs> I just picked up uh, 40 <laughs> issues of uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And, uh... I'm going to help myself. Yeah, right. Oh. So actually, actually I, I, you know, to sidebar a little bit, I've, yeah. one of the things I've actually really been considering is, you know, I've always enjoyed, you know, uh, Rusty, your um, Infinity uh uh, Stone Quest, you know, and how we have those YouTube videos out of you going out to local comic book stores trying to find every issue of of the stones. And it's like, you know what? I realize, you know, I collect, you know, my image. I have the, you know, my Sergeant Fury series. I don't have anything that's kind of like that. It's like, and it's always been in the back of my head. And finally this week, I was like, why don't I own every issue um, that features Red Skull? Why don't I? <laughs> It's like, there you go. That's it. That's what I got to work on. Yeah, just that Captain America one might be uh, <laughs> might be a little difficult it to might, come around. It, well, it might be on my you know last ten issues I'll pick up right, around right, there, yeah. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I started looking into it. There's literally like six, seven hundred comics that are out there with Red Skull in it when I was doing my homework. I was like, holy cow. It was. That's surprising. Were they mostly Avengers? Um, Well, tell you what, let me pull it up real quick. I did save it uh, in here. Is the Red Skull considered Halloween? Would you say that the Red Skull is menacing and could be a creepy Halloween guy? It could be. Can you imagine just walking down a dark street and seeing Red Skull? That's... That's definitely creeping. Creepy. Wasn't there the? Uh, I think it might have been the Ultimate Universe Red Skull, where he like cut off his own face, basically. Yeah. I think it was the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> All right, there we go. The list. Uh, he fe- he's featured most in Captain America. Yeah. Okay. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> But I'm mean, I mean, life for you know for Halloween tomorrow. That's what I'm going as. I got my Red Skull mask, as you all probably seen on the YouTube videos, and I'll have that and just go out and steal me some candy from little kids. Wow. No, <laughs> no, no. no. I'll, I'm just I'm gonna recruit him to Hydra. There you go. You, you're gonna use your your little Hydra kids to go steal the candy for Hydra and convince them that it's no. a good cause, right? That's what I'll do. I'll have the you know the bag of the good candy when they come to the door. You want a piece? You better hail Hydra. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, so, so that, I guess that's Red's plan. What's your plan for Halloween recipe? Um, well, we probably probably just go to the bar and get really <laughs> crazy. And uh, I know there's a few house shows in the area and Halloween parties and stuff. It's still cool living in a college town. So even though when I go to the party now, I'm like, oh, man, I'm kind of old compared to everybody else. And I don't want to be that guy. But then do something fun. Go back to your youth and TP something. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, neither have I. I haven't TP anything in a while. <laughs> uh, Nova, did you ever used to go and do anything like that? Or do Canadians are too polite to do that stuff, I right? never TP'd anything. <sighs> I, uh, well, we have a challenge for you. <laughs> I, I rang some doorbells and ran away before people answered. <laughs> that was it, though. Um, yeah, I know. Oh, my God. So um, it was about like, uh, three or four days ago. So I'm at home doing some cleaning. I'm upstairs. Hear the doorbell ring. Go downstairs. Nobody there. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I go about my business. I'm telling you, three times that day, my doorbell rang, but nobody was at the door. Wow. <laughs> Just like, and it's during school hours too. So it's like, what's going on here? <laughs> That's weird, man. It was actually. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm I'm feeling in a very horror mood recently. I'm usually not. It is like the season, that. man. It is. It really is. I just find it. Um, I don't know. I like the I like the atmosphere mostly of of Halloween and that whole idea of just things being you know, going bump in the night. Yeah, just having that little that tension. <clears throat> you just walk now. Around. Speaking of Halloween and the season and horror movies, is there a horror movie that you wish would be turned into a comic book? Oh. Huh? Ooh. No, I can't see there is. I don't know. Uh, yes. Did you see like a uh, Friday the Thirteenth comic with Jason Voorhees? I'd be surprised if there wasn't one already. I'm su- yeah, that's true. There is a Hellraiser one. I know that. Um, <coughs> I wonder if there's a Nightmare on Elm Street one. Mm, I'm sure. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at that. But I thought of one that I've always thought would make a good uh, comic series. Is Stephen King's Needful Things? Are you okay, familiar with that? that? I think they even made a movie out of that. So basically, a uh, long term sh- or a long story short is basically think of it as an like an old antique store, whatever called Needful Things, and what and whatever whenever whoever goes in there, whatever you might need, you'll find. But there's a price to pay. For example, a, you know, a woman has arthritis. She finds a pair of gloves that allows her to not have any arthritis in her hands, so on and so forth. But there's a price to pay f- to the devil for every thing that you get from the store hmm. that sounds pretty cool. um, it is and it could it make a good comic series but anyways yeah what were we saying over? i mean there's I, I get the feeling most of stephen king's stuff could be turned into comic series so i did a little bit of research in here and there was a friday the 13th comic book and can you guess who the publisher was idw Nova? Of course. Nope. Huh. I was surprised when I saw this. I don't know. Don't say Marvel. DC Comics wow. did Friday really? the 13th. Yeah. Jason Voorhees. Well, um, and, and I 
I looked into it. There is a Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series as well. Yeah. Who did that? Um, Avatar Press. See, Avatar Press is a good place to go in general for horror comics. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. They just have really, really creepy stuff. All that crossed, man, is creepy, gross enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of... um, Alan Moore's been doing quite a bit there, and Garth Ennis as well. It's just, um, yeah, it's a good place for horror and, and creepy stuff. I know, uh, I know Tap likes his horror a lot. You know, I've always thought, you know, now that we were thinking about it, we were thinking about movies and stuff, I wonder if The Thing has been turned into a comic book. Mm, let me type that in. That'd thing. be kind of cool. Like, just uh, have it to be like where it was just set loose in the Antarctic and it's just hit roaming from town mm-hmm. to town. You know, we were yeah. Talking, we, were, we were talking about Tales from the Crypt. Makes me think about other stuff, other older comics. It's weird that there aren't that many horror comics anymore. Now that, I mean, relatively speaking, you had like Werewolf by Night in the past, um, Tomb of Dracula. Yeah. House of Mystery from DC, where I think it was House of Mystery or House of mm-hmm. Secrets, either one of those. Like we said, eerie, creepy, Tales yeah. from the Crypt. Uh, all kinds, man. And, yeah. like, I, in general, I feel like, I mean, we still see, like, Christmas specials and stuff. We don't really see many uh, Halloween ones unless it's, like, um, I know Adventure Time did one, and I know The Simpsons do one. And stuff. Oh, The Simpsons like, corners it when it comes to their Treehouse of Horror with comics every year. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it's just, it's interesting how you see, like, these, they're comedic horror, you know what I mean? It's not like straight up serious. Yeah. I'm gonna try and scare you anymore, yeah. you know. Yeah, but you know, speaking of you know Halloween and comics, you know, we'd be we'd failed if we didn't mention uh, Vampirella. Oh yeah, man, she's been around for like almost what forty plus years now. Yeah, yeah, and 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 she and the and the, the what's her face the I can't remember the name off the top of my head the gal that writes it she's local in my area and I've I see her around at the comic uh, stuff that um, quite often actually. Now um, there's another series that I know uh, Red Skull's a big fan of that is sort of horror related, um, maybe not Halloweenish but uh, The Walking yeah. Dead of course. Yes. Yep. And if y'all remember last year we had our zombie encounter whenever uh i found out who uh lucille was oh yeah yeah oh my gosh speaking of lucille can you guys believe who who negan killed last week but we won't give any spoilers out for those of you that haven't watched it yet yeah i mean uh talk about a surprise yeah (laughs) surprise 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 but uh, you know, no, definitely. Um, didn't a new Walking Dead actually just come out recently? Read like a comic. Uh, They're in the middle of like Whisper War right now. Yeah, the Whisper like War. Yeah. Um, I have purposely not read the last five or six issues. I'm waiting for uh, for that arc to end, then I want to read it. I want to binge read it. Do you have any idea what it's about? Yeah, basically, what it's about is um, you know, so. Rick took, did decided not to kill Negan, locked him up, if you remember correctly. Yeah. 
Well, Negan finally escaped, as we all know he eventually would. And he went out to the Whisperers. Are you familiar with who the Whisperers are? Um, It's the people that dress up as the zombies, right? Yes, yes. They wear the skins and all that. And so basically he... uh, He's now working with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and they have an army of like a million plus zombies that they have stored up as our little foot soldiers. Well, I have a buddy who has been keeping up with Walking Dead, and that's why I know so much about it, because he'll talk to me mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And he'll come into my job and occasionally and talk because he works also in the mall with me. But... um I think I know a little something you don't know, and I think you're in for a big surprise. I'm going to say that Ooh, right now. All right. I'm just, just waiting, waiting for that. you read it. I'm looking forward to it. I've, it's been, I've had to show some restraint. I have. <laughs> but uh, all in good time. There's so much to read, so you know, there's never an issue there. What, what to read. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, my to-read pile is massive. Mine too. It's getting bigger and bigger all the time. I yeah. almost caught up earlier this week, and then all of a sudden it started growing again. Yeah. So I, I've only got five issues read this week, and this is like, oh, really? That's it? Oh my gosh, I'm so far behind. You know, and I've been reading that uh, the Star Wars stuff that we've been putting on our YouTube, covering you know the 1977 Star Wars series, and then I started a new arc, which I'm like really, really excited to read because I got this new guy coming in called Valance. And to basically think of like a mix between Nick Fury and um, the Punisher. Hmm. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be a pretty good arc. Sounds cool. Yeah, that series was fun. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. much from it, um, but it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So. Now, um, I know last week we didn't really talk about it. But um, Red, I think you went to a comic convention last weekend, right? Yes, I did, actually. And then I also went to a comic convention. Uh, Why don't you tell us about the one you went to? All right. Well, I went to the Hampton uh, Comic Con, and I met up with uh, quite a few uh, vendors, artists and writers and whatnot. I'll tell you, all in all, I was disappointed. I felt like I was in a flea market. They had people there selling make your get your name engraved in wood <laughs> to uh, let me knit you a Deadpool sweater. <laughs> it was just like I, I really I felt like I was in a flea market, you know. And this, the comic book selections that were there to go through were piss poor and overpriced. And the artists and writers that were there, for the most part, all of them are the same ones that are always in my area for every little thing. You know, my local library does stuff once a month. And it's the same local people that show up. You know, there's a couple good people there, you know, like Sam Ellis, you know, we've had on the podcast a few times, you know, hung out with him for a little while and chatted and a couple other people such as, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Um, oh, just had a brain fart. The, uh, the guy that's doing the Deadpool stuff. Jeez, now you're going to... But anyway... Yeah, Yeah, anyways, (laughs) not to stick on that subject for too long. But all in all, like I said, I went there, paid my $10 entry fee, and left spending nothing. So that tells you kind of how good of a show it was. (laughs) But anyways, how did yours go? Okay, so I went to uh, Dallas Comic Con uh, 
fan days. Okay. And um, coincidentally, Nova, they had a lot of convention variants from Toronto fan days there. And I guess, yeah, yeah for sale. I saw a few Rob Liefeld exclusive uh, Comic-Con things right. for uh, the Deadpool series or whatever. And um, overall, same situation, right? I en- except I enjoyed it. There was a lot of cool things there. Um, except I didn't walk away buying anything. I did, however, get my Venom Lethal Protector number one signed by Sam De La Rosa, which was really cool. And I, uh, coincidentally, I got to interview him for Pop Nerd TV that day, too. And um, I met a bunch of people, but I think the weirdest thing happened with the first person I had to interview there. Because I went there strictly, basically, well, I wouldn't say strictly, but basically for business. You know, I was going in there covering it as press. Um mm-hmm. And one of the weirdest things, and I I don't know why I didn't talk about this last week. It might have been because of my situation. But um, the first person that I interviewed there was an artist named Terry Parr. And mm-hmm. whenever they told me that I was going to be interviewing him, I was like, oh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know who that is, I guess. Because uh, I wasn't, I didn't see a thing that I was going to be interviewing him. Like, oh, no, it's like kind of last minute. We're going to be doing it. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's an artist. But um, let's talk about like almost a Twilight Zone kind of moment. Let's get in the Halloween feel. It was almost a Twilight Zone kind of moment, okay? Start walking up to his booth. And me and him make eye contact, okay? And we both kind of froze for a second. And for some reason, he just looked super super familiar okay and i could not figure out where i knew him from but i knew him from somewhere okay mm-hmm. and he looked at me and he was kind of talking to me and he was kind of like he was kind of quiet but he was like like he kept looking at me too and i could tell like i think i thought he was thinking the same thing as me is like he knows who i am or whatever or he might have seen me somewhere or something so i sit there and i start talking to him for a second i just kind of start questioning him general questions you know before the interview starts or whatever and um, trying to ease nerves and get us acquainted. And suddenly it kind of pops in my head. And I remember seeing him in my hometown of Temple whenever I was like 15 or 16. Okay? And I I couldn't think where, though, or wh- why and why he looked familiar. But I knew it was from that time. So I go up to him and we're talking. And I'm like, hey... Um, did you used to live in Temple, Texas, or did you used to like work in Temple or something? And he was like, yeah, I used to, I used to work in Temple. And I was like, and it clicked just like randomly. I don't know what it was, but he worked at the journeys across from the store I worked at in the mall. And he was the store manager of it when I got my very first job when I was 16 years old. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was like, wait, what? He was, yeah, and I remember I was like in, I've always been really into punk and stuff, and he always used to wear these punk band shirts and stuff, and so I'd always go over there and talk to him and stuff. And I brought it up that I was the guy that worked there, and he's like, oh, wait a minute, and we like clicked, and we both worked at the same place, like across the, the hallway from each other in the mall when I was 16, and he was like maybe 21, 22, something like that. 
<laughs> and it was just like small world Twilight Zone moments where we were like, I haven't seen you in almost 10 years. And here we are now. I'm uh, interviewing you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And um, since then, me and him added each other on Facebook, and we've been trying to kind of catching up and stuff. So that's cool. It, yeah. It, it was like, oh, this is like, I guess it was just meant to be. And uh, coincidentally, uh, Taffeta Darling, who does fangirls for Pop Nerd, and him were friends. And she was the one that got him signed up basically to be interviewed that day. So it's like, I guess we all know each other through like one to three people is what they say. And uh, that mm -hmm. proved true moment right there. Yeah, actually, you just remind me of an interesting story that I had from the Comic-Con I went to. And I was talking with Sam Ellis and he was like, hey, go down the aisle here and talk with the, uh, the guy over there, uh, uh, Brockton McKinney. And I'm like, OK. And he's like, yeah, he does some really good books. And, you know, he's somebody you would definitely want to talk with, maybe get on your podcast. I'm like, all right, so let me go over there. So I go over there and, you know, I'm wearing my four guys shirt, you know, my uh, hat like I always do. And he just starts looking at me. He's like, wait a minute, four guys in a comic. Where did you get? He's like, you know, are you fans of the show? You know, he's like, he's kind of like pulling information on me. He's like, no, 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 you know. Um, I'm, I'm one of the four guys, and we doing this. It's like so weird that I run into you. It's like I was just having a conversation, you know, a, a couple days ago when you know it was at New York Comic Con, and he's like, I was just talking with um, Kyle um, Cutcammer and um, Ken Marcus, and they both were um, praising your show and said that it's one that I need to get on. And it's just so funny that here you are. When can I get on the show? <laughs> Huh. So it's like, all right, cool, let's do it. So it's kind of cool that you know we were being talked about on at New York Comic Con with these guys because it's you know they're all at all three gentlemen are with Action Lab, so you know, as we know we get a lot of Action Lab love. Yeah, um, I don't have any cool stories, so Nova sad day. <laughs> well, you TP that house uh, for Halloween, and you'll have Maybe. a cool story. Okay witching hours upon us again <laughs> <laughs> oh hey hold on guys i'm so sorry i got uh, somebody just ring my doorbell yeah, go uh, check what this out is hurry up i'll just edit this part out okay yeah okay yeah i what, know right it's kind of late what's up it's uh yeah it's like 11 o'clock at night what can i do for you maybe it's that kid that pranked yeah. me in. No. what do you what do you mean what do you mean somebody was running in my backyard really huh um, okay, yeah, I'll check that out in my backyard. All right. Do you know who it was? I guess he forgot okay. to hit you. Yeah, I guess, yeah, let me let me run over there and I'll say, hey, thanks for letting me know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, cool Captain America shirt, by the way. All right, talk to you later. Thanks. Okay, so what was that about? You know you didn't mute yourself, right? Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm recording on Skype tonight off my phone and, you know, hear the doorbell I had. So I guess uh, my neighbor, he said he saw some somebody jump over my fence in my backyard. So, Maybe it's uh, those, those prank kids. You were talking about it earlier, those people ringing your doorbell. <laughs> yeah, no, this this one, actually, there was somebody at the door this time. So, uh, yeah, uh, let me go check that out real quick. Hopefully right. it's nothing, but it's like 11 o'clock at night. You know, who? what's going on out here? Oh, well, we'll go figure it out. Uh, me and Nova will just continue on, and when you come back, okay. you come back. Okay. Yeah, I'll be back in like two seconds. I'll be right okay, back. Okay, cool. But yeah, um, uh, what have you been reading this week? Uh, man, um, 
I caught up on uh, Carnage, which I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And uh, Carnage was really good. We still have, like, we have a new symbiote that's, like, a part of him called Raze or whatever. And it's a chick. And it's, like, his slave, kind of. And um, he's finally almost to the point of where he has the... Um, the uh the dark hold to where it needs to be and he's kind of figuring things out but he has a voice in his head that's talking to rays from rays because he's connected to two other people now somehow and um but the dark hold's also talking to him we don't know what the hell the dark hold's telling him yet though but uh in this last issue it literally had no eddie brock it didn't have it had only carnage and rays and it was literally just like flashbacks of carnage and a little bit of an origin for another character in the book but it was through the eyes of carnage it was weird like a flashback issue did you um did you read the new death of x yeah no the new death of x too was pretty solid dude um jeff lemire still okay at storytelling the art still pretty rough what did we say that guy's name was like aaron cooter crutter yeah I think so. I, think it's I, I hope it's way. not Cooter. Um, but uh, Cutter, maybe? Anyway, um, it seems to be getting more interesting, and it talks about the... It basically ended with confrontation between uh, the X-Men and the Inhumans, and you can tell that this is basically just a big prequel for uh, X-Men versus Inhumans. Well, that's another thing that we can talk about, is there's a bunch of X titles that you've been all jazzed about. Uh, no, dude, I've been super jazzed on it. We got, what is it? Uh, Cable, number one. Jean yeah. Grey, number one. We got Weapon X, number one. We yeah. got um, Iceman, number one. Blue and Gold, those are the two craziest ones. And then we have Gen X. Gen X, yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure there will be more announced as well. You know what's weird is I actually tweeted uh, Scott Lobdell the other day from our uh, Twitter and I was like, hey, man, do you have anything to do with this Gen X? And he just did not respond to me. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if he even knows about it. He didn't know about Jubilee and Chamber and stuff being yeah, used. He seems, so. he seems like he doesn't really follow along all that much. I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to follow as well. You um, know, that's the thing, though. But like, if it was like my character, I'd probably be following that like all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. How would you did you see the Logan trailer? I'm assuming you did. Yeah, the Logan trailer was pretty cool. I have not seen the Red Band one yet, though. Yeah, um, it's, not the big, it's not that big a difference. No? It's like 10 seconds, maybe, of extra footage. You see some claws going through someone's head or something? It's usually given away in the thumbnail. The coolest part of the Red Band trailer is... Yeah, I saw thumbnail. that. You know what's um, even more crazy is... Um, whatchamacallit? Uh, okay. Doctor Strange, did you hear about them on Rotten Tomatoes? I think it has a hundred right now. It has a perfect score. Of recording, but I mean, I'm sure that'll change. Oh, hold on, looks like I'm getting a call. Let me take a look at that. I guess we'll stop recording here as well. Yes, so. All right. Go ahead and do it. Hello. Uh, yeah, this is Mike. right now um it's i mean it's it's 10 30 uh, i don't know what what kind of what kind of job opportunity is this 
No, I, I, yeah, I guess I can talk for a bit now. Um, yeah, I'll be back, Rusty. I, a weird call. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll, I mean, we're already waiting on red. I just, I'll just take a pause break. You go take care of things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, job opportunities and um, red disappearing in the uh, backyard. I mean, whatever. Okay. Well. Um, might as well open up this uh, this comic, I guess. So that I'll check out more things from it, you know. Uh, I didn't get to the end yet. Anyone else that is listening, this is our spooktacular, and I seem to be recording by myself. Uh, great stuff, right? No. Um, sucks Tap didn't show up, though. I mean, uh, he didn't even say that he wasn't uh, coming, so it's just kind of kind of weird. But um, I guess, let me see this. There's another uh, Mad Libs. It appears in the back. Let me just run it through real fast. I'm going to try and answer some of it myself. Uh, let's see. Um, it's weird. I don't know why these all seem to work out perfectly. This one seems to be about a journalist or something. Oh. What was that? I thought I heard something. Sounds like a door? Another interview with four guys in a comic, and with us today we have none other than the Moon Knight artist himself, Mr. Greg Smallwood. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to get to speak with you know fellow artists and writers and things. So um, obviously, you're really well known right now for um, the Moon Knight run that you did last volume, and then this current volume as well with Jeff Lemire. What? Uh, like, what can you tell us about uh, your earlier work, though? Like, with Dream Thief, I know you did with uh, Giant and stuff. So, like, how did you get your start in comics? And yeah, uh, well, let's see. The uh, to uh, to sort of the very very beginning, I uh, put together a. Do you guys remember Zuda Comics? It was the DC web comic outreach thing that they did. I don't know. It's, it sounds very really, familiar. Yeah, they didn't really get the word out, uh, which is why it's no longer around. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, what they would do is they would run a competition every month, and they would have, uh, you know, it could be a creative team or it could be one person doing everything. But each, uh, each competition had usually, I think it was like five to ten different competitors, and each of them would do a, uh, like the first eight pages of their web comic. And they put it out there on the website, and then they would have people vote on which one that they liked the most. And then the winner yes. would get to be, yeah, would get to continue their their web comic on the Zuda site, mm -hmm. and they would actually be paid by Zuda. And uh, so you know, it was a pretty good deal, and the, the rate was pretty good. And um, I did a uh, I did a pitch called uh, Villain, and I did the first eight pages of it, and it was basically like a super villain um, escape from New York. You know, it was a guy that, you know, gets stuck in a, on a, a prison planet and, uh, you know, for, for crimes that he committed. And, and then he's got to, you know, find his way off. 
uh, find his escape. But uh, I actually I didn't I didn't win the competition. I only got second place. But uh, it actually got me um, in front of uh, Jai Nitz. Jai, I actually lived about 45 minutes away from Jai. I was always going to uh, the local comic book conventions in Kansas City. I lived in a small town, Leavenworth, Kansas, and which is the home of the you know Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. And uh, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I always, you know, you got to kind of uh, give people a sense of you know the place. That's that's what we're known for in Leavenworth. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I, I lived about 45 minutes away from Jai. He lived in Lawrence, Kansas, home of KU. And uh, I drove out to uh, Lawrence, the local Lawrence shop, and dropped off some flyers for the website. And then he happened to see the flyers and then contacted me out of the blue and asked um, if I'd be willing to uh, collaborate on a pitch with him. And uh, I, was, I was actually really excited about it. I'd read, I think pretty much at that time, most of or all of Jai's work. It was a lot easier to keep up with a lot of the local guys. Now we have a lot of Kansas City guys that are just doing tons of work, and it's hard to keep up. But at that time, it was a little bit easier. And so I was very familiar with his work, and he pitched me on Dream Thief, actually. He gave me a one-page synopsis, and I read it, and I loved it. I thought it was a you know, fantastic pitch, great concept, and I thought it was right up my alley in terms of you know, the, the kind of stuff that I like to draw and the stuff that kind of excited me story-wise. And so we actually, we put together a pitch. We felt really, really good about it. We sent it out, and it totally got rejected, and uh, it did not get picked up anywhere. And then Jai and I kind of, uh, we kind of, um, you know, we would we'd always, uh, you know, kind of reconnect and talk, you know, and, and uh, give each other updates on the career, you know, and how that was going. But uh, we weren't working on anything for about a year. We just uh, we were kind of doing our own thing. But during that time, I'd actually I moved up to Lawrence from Leavenworth, and so I actually started just hanging out more with Guy, just as friends. And and we got to know each other uh, a lot better. And then we started to realize that we had, you know, even more in common in terms of, of likes and and dislikes. And we decided, at, at, you know, I think about a year after we did the first pitch, like, hey, you know, we should really get together. And and do a second pitch. Like let's let's narrow the focus down. Let's really get to what the core of Dream Thief could be. And so um, that's what we did. We actually we we took a a more specific approach to Dream Thief. I, you know, it was a very broad concept before. It was a uh, kind of um you know a uh, action adventure comic. Uh, you know, the first time around, and then we we narrowed it down to you know more of a noir. Uh, with a lot of 80s influences, which is, you know, and they just right up our alley. And we really made it a lot more personal. And so uh, we pitched it out, and one of the companies that we pitched it to was Dark Horse, and they immediately said yes. And so uh, that was my first comic, actually. That was my very first like, Dark Horse. And it was a five-issue miniseries. And, um, you know, definitely a, a big, big, big test for me, because at that point I probably had only produced maybe a total of, I don't know, 20, 25 pages of, of comic book work, <laughs> you know, like I was, you know, I would sketch and draw all the time, but having that discipline of actually sitting down and drawing, you know, every day and finishing page after page, that was definitely a, you know, a new thing for me, but that was the beginning. Um, so we did dream thief and then, um, uh, Nick Lowe at Marvel contacted both of us and said, Hey, love dream thief. You know, would you like to come do a, uh, an issue of a plus X? 
uh, at Marvel, and you know we got to pick the two characters, and then we got a lot of freedom to you know do the story. So we went with Beast and Doctor Strange. Jai wrote it, I you know drew it, and uh, inked it and colored it, uh, just like Dream Thief. And then um, and then we put that out, and that that really kind of established my relationship with Marvel. And so when Nick needed an artist for Moon Knight with uh, with the uh, run following Warren Ellis and Declan. Um, Jalvi, we, uh, I took over and, uh, Brian, of course, wrote that, that second volume and I drew that one. That was, I mean, it was actually only the third work of mine that I'd done. So I'm a pretty, you know, pretty new, uh, um, pretty new to comics actually. It's pretty, uh, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe that's like two or three years worth of, of work right there. So. Well, with your guys' current run on Moon Knight. Oh my God! It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thank you. Jeff Lemire's writing is top notch, and your art is just—I don't know what it is. I've oh, I've always enjoyed your art, but I'm really liking this arc specific, like this run on Moon Knight specifically. I don't know if it's because you kind of get to play around with like different characters, I guess you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But God, I'm loving it. It is so. It's probably the only <laughs> Marvel <laughs> title I'm actually reading. So. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know it. it I've heard a lot of that because it does appeal to a different type of reader. It's not the the usual. Well, you know, Marvel does a lot of books that I I call their boutique books, and um, they're they're more like creator owned titles. They're very uh, creator driven. They're very character driven. Uh, there's not a whole lot of continuity, um, you know, involved. Moon Knight, obviously, I mean, doesn't tie in the Civil War or anything like that. Which I like. I like that you get both. I think it's important to offer both. You have your continuity-driven titles, you know, that have the tie-ins that, you know, have the, the big world-spanning, you know, plots and stories. And then you have your smaller titles where you get to, you know, get a little bit more personal with the characters. And, and so, yeah, it does appeal to different types of readers. They've, they've kind of got two reader bases and kind of covered. Because there is a lot of competition coming, you know, from from companies like Image, you know, where you get these, you know, standalone titles that, that move forward and are very character driven. And I think, I think people have developed a real taste for that. And Marvel's offering that through a select few titles and Moon Knight's one of those. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be on the book. Jeff is, I mean, Jeff is, um, is an amazing writer and I, what he's able to deliver, um, you know, with every issue, it's always surprising to me. And I always think like, oh, well, this is, maybe this is it. This is like everything he's got. Like he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, used all of his ammo, but he's always, I mean, just surprising the heck out of me. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you everything, you know, coming up, but we've got a third arc plan. So after the second arc where, you know, it's mostly, you know, Frank Avia and Torres and Stoko handling art duties, um, I am going to come back for the third arc. And that's really where we're going to kind of wrap up the story that started with issue one. So very excited. That's actually what I'm working on now. Uh, so very stoked about it. Jeff has an amazing ending plan for the story, and I, I can't wait for people to read it. Very cool. So your art is very noir-ish, I guess you could say. And yeah. uh, yeah. with that being said, I 
like did you create i don't i'm trying to remember did you create the new look for moon knight or was that new look already established before you came on it was established before i came on um because i feel like that look uh, just plays really well for your style it does it does it was very serendipitous you know i um i mean you know there was a bit of planning i i don't think uh my editor, Nick Lowe, it's my editor now on the book is Jake Thomas, a fantastic guy who worked under, under Nick, but Nick brought me on, um, for the Brian Wood run. And I, um, I th- you know, I think he just saw the connection between my style and the book style. I think he just saw it and he knew, you know, it would be a good fit. Um, but yeah, I was definitely, you know, excited. I was doing on dream thief. I was doing the, the, uh, the white gutters with no panel borders. And I thought that was perfect. I just, I, I thought that was actually just going to, I was just going to use that for Dream Thief. But I ended up bringing it over to Moon Knight just because it worked so well with the character. He could then kind of blend out into the back, you know, or to the, 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 uh, the borders. And so he would have like a, this edgeless quality to him. And um, I love playing with white, like negative space. I just, I love it. So yeah, I mean, visually speaking, Moon Knight's perfect for me. And then, you know, because everything that's not white is then covered in shadows and like you said, that noirish quality. So yeah, I, I, I couldn't honestly think of a better fit for me at Marvel. I think any title, um, that, you know, um, cause I, I did sign a contract with Marvel, so I will be doing something with them after midnight. Oh, really? Um, and yeah, but whatever it is, uh, it probably won't be as good a fit. I'll have to kind of, you know, change and mold myself into something a little bit different. Um, Moon Knight was always, I think, just a perfect fit for me, especially, yeah, with the, the aesthetics that they'd created with, uh, that Warren and, and Declan and Julie had established in that very first, that very first run. But, yeah, oddly enough, most people actually don't know. I think, I think I was able to trace it back, but Warren Ellis actually did a story, I think it was like an Avengers story, um, where he actually had the, the Moon Knight, like, three-piece suit. And this was before Declan had gotten involved, and he established it in that, and when he took over on Moon Knight, Warren Ellis brought that back. And so then Declan gave a kind of a new look and really, um, really brought it, you know, into his own. And then I kind of just tried to take what Declan started and then just make it my own. And so I took a more minimalist approach where I use a lot less line work to define him. So he's very much this sort of um, flat white and, um, you know, and, and kind of ran with that and took it, you know, to, I think, an extreme uh, level, so yeah. Yeah, I remember um, I jumped on Moon Knight when I read that Warren Ellis was going to be doing it, and of course he left after like five or six issues. Mm-hmm. But um, I was skeptical about you know switching from Declan Shelby because I love his artwork. But um, I will say I'm a huge Sean Phillips fan, and when I looked at your artwork the first time was two years ago, a year ago, um, it yeah. reminded me of Sean Phillips. I mean, you've got that great. Uh, there's an issue you and Brian did where um, it's almost like all YouTube footage and fo- like camera yeah. recordings yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That was really Very awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're thinking about what book you could possibly do next. Uh, the current Black Widow run, I think, would really uh, your artwork would really suit that as well. Uh, yeah. I think it's Samney doing art now, and um, it would be a, well, it be was, a great it was transition. Follow, it was tough to follow Declan. I'm not sure I'd want to follow another <laughs> caliber artist. Like, I mean, following Somni would probably be uh, very stress-inducing. But thank you for the praise. I, you know, I, um, I'm a huge, huge, huge admirer of Sean Phillips' work. I've been, I've been, I actually have like a, an entire box just with nothing but his work. 
it's it's a major influence on my style. So it's high. It's a high compliment. I actually read um, someone someone showed me a uh, someone took a screenshot, showed me a, a tweet or something. Maybe it was a Facebook thing. But someone had compared my work to it's Sean Phillips as inked by Ty Templeton, and uh, and that was uh, probably one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I take that as, as high praise. I appreciate the compliment. Oh, I was just curious, um, in terms of, you know, your, your interest, you're doing Moon Knight now, were you always a Moon Knight fan, um, in the past? Actually, no, no, I wasn't. No. Um, when I got offered the, uh, the, uh, the first run, uh, when I worked with Brian, I had actually, uh, I'd picked up like, I think at that point, maybe the first two or three issues of Moon Knight. I'd read the first issue, hadn't even uh, gotten to the, the second and third issues. I liked the first issue. I thought it was really cool. I was like, oh, I'd have to find out more about this character. But like you, I picked it up because, you know, Warren Ellis and, and Declan Shalvey, uh, that team up kind of interested me, and it looked uh, it looked cool. But, yeah, that was my first exposure to the character. I mean, I, I you know, I've followed comics since I was a pretty young kid, so, I mean, I was always familiar with Moon Knight. I kind of understood his basic, backstory but uh you know never never read any of his books or anything like that so uh, yeah you know i didn't really get a huge opportunity to do that on the first run with brian uh you know i i basically i got the i got the offer to, to do the book and i had to jump right in and start drawing and then um it wasn't until this most recent run where i had a lot of uh lead time, I was able to really go back and start reading a ton of back issues. And um, I bought these two, I think they're epic collections. So they're, um, you know, these big, they're kind of like the essentials trades, but they're actually in color and they reprint a lot of different material. So, yeah, I've gone back and I've read all that stuff. I've checked out, um, you know, the Houston run and all, you know, all that stuff that, you know, fans frequently talk about. I really familiarize myself with the character and, uh, yeah, I mean, now I've grown to really, really dig the character. I think he's amazing, <laughs> but uh, yeah. and kind of surprised that I, I wasn't uh, familiar with him enough now before. That, now that I think about it, Moon Knight, even though the series don't really sell all that well, have had a huge chain of great artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Finch, Alex Maliev, mm-hmm. Declan, you now. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it, it's like you mentioned, the whole sort of um, image, the creator-owned feel to mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's definitely there, and it's sort of even the artwork is usually, especially now on Moon Knight with you on it, is very mm-hmm. different from the typical house style. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, it is. Yeah, it is a strange case that yeah, it's attracted, or at least you know, good, you know, the, these amazing artists have been put on the book. I, I'm very honored to you know be considered part of that. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's. Um, you know, I don't know how many how many of those cases were that the artist was just assigned the book. I don't know how many. I know. I think it was. I think David Finch actually, rec, you know, like requested to be on Moon Knight, if I remember correctly. So, um, so some of those, you know, were definitely, um, you know, artists wanting to be on the book. And so yeah, there is something that draws into it. And you know, and the other thing about Moon Knight that I learned is it has, yeah, the like you said, the sales aren't always super high on the book, but it has this uh, absolutely devoted fan base. I yeah. mean. If you're a Moon Knight fan, you are a Moon Knight fan. Like you were hardcore about it, and uh, and it's and it's good, you know. And um, uh, you know, seeing that 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 level of devotion and buying a book, that's great. I mean, um, and to see them 
embrace this new this new run with, with, that Jeff and I are doing has been great too. Because I I was a little concerned. I was hoping that we weren't you know um, you know crossing any lines in terms of uh, you know uh, taking the care into territories that maybe people didn't really want to see. But uh, it seems like everybody's digging it, so I'm happy. They're happy. I'm happy. <laughs> well, um, I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed for as long as I have to. Uh, to see you on a Batman or a Nightwing, um, I think I think Batman would be fantastic if you penciled and inked it. Yeah, well, thank you. I I I would love to tackle Batman at some point. I mean, it's funny, you know. I mean, I guess every artist would. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I would what I would be able to say about the character that hasn't already been said. But I mean, you got to leave your mark at some point, you know. He's one of the few characters that that um that is that you know level that i i really do want to work on um because actually most of the characters that i would say like oh you know greg who, who would you work on if you could work on anybody you, you know it's actually like lower lower rung characters that like people have forgotten about because that excites me probably more than anything is, is taking over books that nobody cares about and then trying to make them care about it um uh you know like a character like sleepwalker i mean if if Marvel, it sounds insane, but if Marvel said, "Hey, Greg, we want you to relaunch Sleepwalker," uh, I would be ecstatic. I, I would think that was like the greatest opportunity to take a character that people had kind of forgotten about in the '90s, and then do something completely new and fresh with them. Kind of like with, um, you know, in some ways, uh, to you know, a smaller level that, that Warren did with Moon Knight. You know, he took a character that um, obviously still had that fan base, that loyal fan base, but you know, it was largely forgotten about by the mainstream comic book readership. And then, yeah, turned him into, um, you know, a higher level character. I mean, now Moon Knight's, I mean, we've been consistently selling pretty well. It's selling better than a lot of the Marvel titles right now. So, I, you know, I think he's kind of crossing over, you know. Moon Knight's becoming a much bigger character than he ever was before. Uh, I hope we don't hear crossing over in Moon Knight in the near future. That's one of the, like you mentioned, the best parts of the book. Oh, it does not yeah, cross yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> the more popular it becomes, the higher the chances. Yeah. Stand alone. Stand alone. <laughs> well, I think, you know, you might see, I mean, I, I doubt that. I, I, you know, but I don't know. I mean, Marvel doesn't clue me into this stuff. But um, I do think that Marvel is starting to recognize the, the importance of sometimes keeping things a little bit separate. And even if, like, I mean, they, they kind of in a, in a, in a, bizarre way involved Moon Knight with, with Civil War. You know, Declan did that short story. Um, I won't spoil anything, but uh, you know, it's um, you know, they involved him, but then they didn't involve the main title. You know, they kept the main title. Right. Separate, separate yeah. stuff. And that might be the way to go in the future for a lot of these characters. Yeah. So besides Moon Knight, what are some of the other stuff that you're currently working on? I know you did a Power Rangers cover this year as well. I just wonder what yeah. else you got in the works. Well, um, actually, out on the stands, probably still right now, is um, the latest issue of Adventure Time Comics, which is their new, Boom's new uh, mm -hmm. Adventure Time technology series. I did a, um, a short story in that, uh, which is six pages long. I wrote and I drew it. So everything in that was, uh, was done by me in that short story. Uh, so that's out on stand right now. I'm doing covers here and there. Up, upcoming is um, I'm doing variant covers for Valiant's new uh, Divinity uh, series are doing Divinity three. They just announced that recently. I'm tackling some covers for that, um, and then yeah, some random covers here and there. I, um, I'm trying to think of what I did recently. Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I've done a Sons of Anarchy. I just finished that up. 
I, I do covers for Dark Circle comics on occasions. Got a few Black Hood covers and um, Hangman and you know some some other stuff. But but that's about it. I mean, most of my my attention's been focused on on Moon Knight. So even though I haven't, even though I didn't do a, a ton that you're seeing in Moon Knight right now, uh, you know, some a lot of the character designs and stuff like that was was me. And you know, uh, I've actually once I was once I wrapped up issue uh, five of Moon Knight, I pretty much started right then on on issue ten. So we just jumped forward. So while the other artists were uh, were working on Moon Knight, then I could jump ahead and and uh, get a little bit more lead time. Very cool, very cool. So you said since a young age that you've uh, been into comics and stuff. Uh, growing up, when you first started to do art, who were some of the uh, comic artists that inspired you? Oh yeah, well that's a good question. Um, well, er- early, early on um, would probably be uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, who did a lot of the DC licensed art, so the stuff on like the superpowers uh, packaging. If you had DC Comics bed sheets, you know it was probably drawn by Garcia Lopez, and so that was my, you know probably and you know probably my my first real exposure to a to an artist then that I would recognize by name. And my dad was a a huge fan of Garcia Lopez as well. My dad collected comics, and so some of the comics he was putting in front of me were the ones that became my favorites. So The Rocketeer and Xenozoic Tales were some of the earlier ones that I read. Um, and then when I started picking out comics for myself, obviously I went through the whole image phase. Probably everybody uh, reading comics went through. So I started, you know, picking up Spawn and Savage Dragon. I went through like a Todd McFarlane phase where I was trying to do all the little, you know, itty bitty line work that he was doing. <laughs> and uh, and then, um, you know, I, I, I gosh, I went through so many phases where I I think I was trying to, you know, everybody, every artist when they're when they're developing their skill sets, they're you know, they're trying to find their style, and, um, and I was obsessed with that. I was like, you know, where's my style at? And so I went through so many so many th- different phases trying to find that. Um, but, yeah, probably my big ones would be Garcia Lopez. Uh, Todd McFarlane was a big early influence on me. And then um, I definitely went through, like, a, a phase where I was really trying to imitate a lot of the, the classic, like, EC artists and... Um, you know, the, uh, the guy, you know, like the Dave Stevens and Mark Schultz who kind of, you know, took that over where they started, you know, doing that stuff. And then I was looking at their work. Um, that's where I get a lot of my classic sensibilities from is from aping their styles when I was younger. Um, and then, um, and then I definitely picked up a lot during, you guys, you guys probably remember when they had the, the kind of the manga influence boom that happened, mm. you know, when Joe Maduro was doing Joe Uncanny yeah. X-Men. Yeah. yeah. And everybody started doing that. And, um, and I got, yeah, I got, I got really into their work and, um, Ed McGinnis, I really liked, you know, his stuff. And I, I think I took a lot of qualities from their work too. And, but, um, yeah, I, th- I threw out my, my, you know, reading comics. I was always attracted to the guys who had these very unique styles, like Mike Allred and, um, you know, Richard Corbin and Frank Miller. I just always was, I gravitated towards those guys. And so, you know, I, I think I'm always trying to straddle a line between being like a classic traditional artist, but then also trying to do something that's uniquely my own. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I took away as I was growing up and looking at other artists was the, you know, to kind of do my own thing. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to, I don't want to repel any readers and I want to be traditional enough that I can work on these bigger books 
and, and have a wider readership. I don't want to be so esoteric that no one wants to look at my work, you know. I only appeal to a small group of, of fans. So, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that there's one, like, major influence. I think probably, I think if I had to, if I really had to pick, I'd say probably Garcia Lopez, but then also I'd probably put Toth and uh, Alex Toth and then Chris Somney um, in the other corner just because of their, their influence on, you know, like, I really started to push towards minimalism just because of a time-saving kind of technique because I was actually very usually detail-oriented. Um, but guys like Alex Toth and Chris Somney and even like Mike Allred really kind of taught me how to, how to use line work in a more sparse level um, and, and, and kind of taught me the importance of the, the, the mantra of, you know, less is more. And so I, I get my minimalist approach from, from guys like that. So I probably owe a lot to uh, artists like Somni and Toth and, and guys like Allred. So hopefully that answers your question. It seemed like I jumped everywhere. <laughs> but, no, it, yeah. an, it was a, that was a good answer. I was going to say that once you mentioned Todd McFarlane, I was, and you mentioned um, Eric Larson too, I was mm. sitting there because, I mean uh, – Moon Knight kind of has a certain kind of like ambiance to it. And I mean, Spawn always has an ambiance to it. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was like, man, he would probably do a pretty good Spawn as well. (laughs) And it's funny that you mentioned Todd in that as one of your influences. Think of a Spawn cape when I'm drawing a Moon Knight cape. I mean, it's impossible for me to to separate the two. I think of, I think of capes, I think Spawn. I I was going to say epic capes, automatic go-to is Spawn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always weird because I know that I, sometimes I'll mention influences, and I, I'll mention even other artists. I was actually talking about with a uh, buddy of mine, Andy Parks, who writes comics. But you know, he did a lot of inking back in the day, inking over Phil Hester. And um, yeah, and and it, I think he's probably come to Omaha a lot. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's that been. He long- has. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mentioned to him. I was like, yeah, you know, Richard Corbin. I think you know, I, I borrowed a lot from him and. He, he, he was completely surprised by that, but it's just tiny little things, you know, like you just don't, and sometimes it takes me a while before I, you know, I recognize or I'm even aware of sometimes somebody like a fan will mention like, Hey, I remember someone coming up and saying, Hey, you remind me of Daniel Kuna. And I was like, really? And they're like, and they pointed out these panels and I've been looking at Daniel Kuna's work forever. Like I've got, I usually, if he does something, I buy it. And I hadn't even realized that I pulled stuff from him. like, just like, you know, the way that he would do a lighting thing. And I kind of pulled a technique from him. And I think it's just, sometimes it's just uh, like a subconscious thing. Sometimes I'm consciously ripping off other artists, you know. <laughs> I like the way that Garcia Lopez draws noses and eyes. And so I kind of do his little, you know, like a tweak on, on his, his style. And so sometimes it's conscious. Sometimes it's, yeah, subconscious. I'm just pulling from artists that I've been looking at for a long time. Or maybe that I imitated for a little while. And then thought that I'd kind of ditched that, but didn't realize I carried some of it with me, you know. So that happens a lot. Now you mentioned you you wrote a little six page story. Uh, do you have any more plans? Do you have a, a passion now for writing after that six, <laughs> yeah, six page I story? I don't know. If I, I don't know if <laughs> yeah, I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> um, you know, I think I I love the creative control of it. You know, being able to to determine what I get to draw. Um, and I definitely have a, a style that I, of storytelling that I like that I don't feel like a lot of other writers and comics 
Um, I mean, my style of writing is actually very sparse. I like to do most of my storytelling through the visuals. And I like a very minimalist kind of dialogue, just in the way that I do a lot of minimalist art. And, you know, a lot of writers don't really like to do that. Some, a lot of writers are very verbose. Uh, you know, they have a lot of dialogue. And, um, um, you know, it's not, it doesn't come as easy for me. I think I, I, I do have a talent for writing, but it's not, um, it's not something that's easy. It's like kind of pulling teeth. And it takes me a while, and I sweat over it a lot. Um, drawing comes easy for me. It's very uh, second nature. But, uh, yeah, if I ever get to the point where I feel that writing is, is easier for me, um, then, yeah, I might, I might push for that. I definitely want to tell my own stories here and there, but as far as, like, making a push to start writing for Marvel or something like that, probably not. Um, co-writing, maybe, but I, uh, I, I like being behind the scenes in a way. I mean, a lot of the writers get the, get the grief if things don't go the right way, and us artists, we kind of get, get the escape by, and I, I like that. You know, like I'd, nobody blames me if a, if a comic goes bad. Or they don't like the story. That's uh, it's nice not to have that responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So, do you have any um, like upcoming? Uh, I know you said your Marvel's gonna have something for you after Moon Knight, but do you have any like creator-owned stuff that you have, or like maybe even stuff that's just kind of in the back of your mind where you're like, someday I do want to finally get to this point where I start working on this project. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well. You know, Johnny and I still have an ending in mind for Dream Thief. We'd like to to go back at some point and and do another mini series or another two mini series. Uh, we've got some short stories that uh, I mean have been approved. You know, he's written the scripts for, and I just need to. Um, we've got another artist that's that's drawing them. I just you know we'd need to just kind of finish that up. Um, but um, yeah, as far as other creator own work, yeah, I mean I've I've always wanted to do like a big post apocalyptic epic. Um, you know, I've always wanted to draw that. If I have to write it on my own, I'll do that. But, um, you know, I've, that's, I, you know, it's a general idea. It's not really anything specific. I just want to do something post-apocalyptic and I want it to be epic. That's about all, <laughs> all I've come up with. But, I, you know, every time I get a story idea, I do jot it down. I've got a book of just nothing but ideas and plots and stuff that I've, I've put down. But um, a lot of that's just kind of gone to the back burner. I try to I try to stay focused on the Marvel work. I can tend to, I tend to sometimes get a little daydreamy with, with other projects. You know, sometimes artists are always just, us creators can be looking at the next project and not really enjoying, you know, the, you know, living in the moment and working on that book and putting everything into that. And so I try to do that. Um, you know, and I think Moon Knight's got me excited enough to, you know, to, uh, to keep me entirely focused on that for the time being. So, Very cool. yeah. Awesome. Are you going to be, because uh, I know you, you live in Lawrence, so you're not that too far yeah. from me. Are you going to be coming back up to Omaha again this next year to oh, Krypton? Uh, you know what, I'm not. We, uh, I haven't planned anything with uh, with Dean at Krypton, but I love Dean. Dean's a great guy, and I mean, you know, if he invites me out, I'll, I'll definitely come. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, usually just planning it around something. And for sure, if, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't doubt that I'll be out there you know, whenever, you know, my next book comes out, um, after midnight. So, uh, I'm always happy. I love Omaha. It's a fantastic city. I love going there. I love visiting and I love Krypton comics. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's a no brainer for me. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Well, if I don't see you next year, then I'm assuming that I would see you at a 
Planet Comic Con. Yeah, I will always, even if it's only like a one-day thing, I'll always be at Planet. I'll always make sure that I, I make an appearance. That's our, our hometown con, so awesome. always always there. <laughs> Very cool. So, Greg, I was just curious. So when Greg Smallwood's not doing comics, what are you doing? What are some of your other interests and hobbies? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um I actually have a life uh, outside of comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it feels like I'm always working, but, oh, I don't know. I love, uh, well, gosh, everything that I love doing, I haven't really been doing lately, so it kind of feels weird to say. But, no, I, you know, I love uh, love reading. I, I usually read a lot of nonfiction. Um, I'm interested in all the things that you're not supposed to talk about, you know, religion, politics, stuff like that. Um, and... Uh, Let's see. Gosh, what do I do for fun? That's a good question. I guess I like to, to do a little bit of traveling. Um, uh, my wife and I love trying out new restaurants, trying out new beers, trying out anything that uh, you know comes comes along. Um, gosh, I that's yeah, I don't know. What else do I do for fun? I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm struggling to think about anything that I do for fun. I think comics is it, guys. I think I'm pretty much chained to my table most of the time. Comics, food, and beer. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a good combo. It's a trinity right there. Beer yeah. And, yeah, there you go. No, I mean I I probably probably most of my downtime is spent uh, watching movies. I'm a huge huge uh, um, film fanatic, so always going to the theater, always renting movies. Netflix. Uh, I get a lot of use out of Netflix. Did you watch Stranger more- Things? I did. I did. Yeah, that Buddy. was fantastic. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I loved it. It took me a minute to kind of get into it, but my once it hooks you, it hooks you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm off social media, um, I, except for like Instagram, and um, I have a Tumblr, but I, I don't really get on my Tumblr that often. And so I didn't know like it was a thing. I just happened to see like, you know, Netflix kind of pushed it, and they get, you know, they put the trailer on the front page. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this looks cool. And then I, you know, my wife and I watched it. And then after I was done, I was like, does anybody else know about this? <laughs> so I went, I went online. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, everybody, everybody does know about it. Uh, that was cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic show. I'm excited to, to see the, the second season. I just read that it got announced. So. Yeah. There's a, another show on Netflix that Scott Liddell told us about, and I've I'm about halfway through it's six episodes and I'm like halfway through it. Um Clever Man. Clever Man, I'm not even familiar with it's it. It's an Australian show, I guess. Um from the what six I've episodes. seen. Yeah, it's six episodes. I think I'm on episode three, I wanna say. It's pretty good from what I've seen so far. Um okay. Scott Lebdell says it's gonna be the next Stranger Things. I don't know about all that, but it, it is <laughs> it is pretty good though. It's interesting. Well hey, thanks for the recommendation. I'm always yeah, always wanna to try something, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Clever man, huh? Yep, clever man. Okay. I'm that down right now, actually. Right on. Oh, you know, I just just looked at something. I know what I spend most of my free time doing. I run a, I have a little booth in an antique mall, which oh. I sell like trading cards and comics through. Yeah, that's that's what eats up a lot of my. Oh, very. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Like what kind of trading cards? Oh, old trading cards. I think like recently I just got a bunch of um. Like the Batman '89 tops cards. Ooh, uh, nice. Uh, dinosaurs attacks. Those usually, I mean, you could find those boxes everywhere, which is like their, you know, tops a sequel to Mars Attacks. that just kind of didn't really go anywhere. But then they did that, you know, the uh, 
uh, they reprinted the four issue, four issue miniseries that um, at IDW, and so they kind of kind of brought it back into the the limelight. But yeah, just actually, I was I was stoked. I got a I got a a couple of boxes of um, the Marvel Universe two, which yes. I haven't yep. through in a long time. So uh, yeah, excited about that, and then. Uh, some Tron cards. I tracked those down. That was nice. And um, yeah, just you know, random stuff. And I buy a lot of old comics. And I kind of use it as a as a as a way to to um, subsidize my my hobby of you know buying comics that you know I don't really need, but yeah, you know, <laughs> desire. Uh, what <laughs> kind of uh, comics do you collect? Actually, you know, a lot of older stuff. So I. A lot of creepy and eerie magazines. I'm always scouring just to find, you know, some classic artists that uh, you, know, you just don't find anymore. Um, I recently completed my run of Atari Force, which Garcia Lopez drew. Um, you know, like old stuff. It's always it's always usually going back back a ways. I've been collecting a lot of tracking down any issues of Moon Knight that I can. So any issue of Moon Knight I track down, I read and probably take something from. Uh, it's been a big influence. So. Uh, yeah. Um, usually I go by artists. That's that's usually my thing. And then if if the story looks interesting, then I'll go ahead and sit down and read it. It's kind of how my dad uh, read comics when uh, when I was growing up. Is he'd buy it for the art, and then if it interested him enough, he'd go ahead and sit down and read it. And uh, you know if it drew him in, and that's kind of how I I buy comics. I know a lot of people are kind of the opposite way, but for me, it's always the art that pops out at me and jumps out at me. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I have uh, one more question for me. Um, what is in your pull list right now? What are you reading? Oh, what am I reading? Um, yeah, well, when I have time, uh, I do read uh, comics on occasion. Let's see, Southern Bastards. Um, yes. Uh, up to date on that. I'm a little behind on Walking Dead. I've heard some, it's going in some crazy places lately, but mm-hmm. I have not kept up with it, so I'm always fine. Um. Uh, Black Widow. Uh, let's see, what else am I? What else have I been getting? I usually buy everything that Mark Miller writes. He's a, he's a writer that I actually I really do follow everything that he does. Uh, he's always got like cool high concepts. I know he's also very controversial, but um, I'm trying to think, what else do I got? I'm actually not next to my little. I have a little comic book spinner rack where I keep all of my new comics, and I'm not yes. by them right now, so I can't <laughs> I can't look to see what I've got. But uh, I'm always trying out new number ones. I'm always fascinated by how somebody tackles a new number one issue. So mm-hmm. chances are I've probably tried every you know new number one, you know major release. Uh, you know, so any number one, any number ones that just came out that you really uh, got into? Killer B. Um. Yeah. Good question. Let me see. Uh, the fix. You know, I I bought that. I you know I've actually I own both of those. I have not. Read them. Yeah, it's a good question though. Yeah, any recent image I um. I thought the the throwaways uh, was interesting. Um, I read that first issue and let's see what other. Gosh, guys, I've got the I've got a terrible memory. Short term memories, <laughs> shot. I'm just. Hey, <laughs> I, I think I read comics. I'm not sure. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember them all. Uh, no, I think. Um, yeah, I think you know probably to be honest, if we completely honest, I buy a lot of comics. And I just I stick them in this box that I, I say I'm gonna eventually read. And I just never ever get to. Um, but 
Yeah, I know that I've read some more comics. I just cannot think of anything. What are, what are some other new number ones that have come out? You guys, you can feed me some stuff, and I can tell you. Spawn kills it. everyone. Number one. Oh, uh, you know what? I I I just heard about that. I had no idea that it even existed. That's great. I saw the art for it, which is the real stylized cartoony stuff. Uh, yep. Yeah. Glitter bomb. Glitter bomb was really good. Snot um, girls. Snot oh girl. yeah, you know what? I, you know what? I I just cannot get into Brian O'Malley's work. I'm just I don't think I'm the target audience. So yeah. Uh, uh, I'm of, still waiting on Killer Be Killed number two. Oh yeah, anything of course. at Brubaker. Yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. That's been fa- yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no, um, that's the, the one that, that I'm also enjoying a lot, and not a lot of people talk about it, but it's uh from Dark Horse, I believe. It's uh Colin Bunn's uh, Conan the Slayer. Oh yeah, yeah, There's, right, uh, right. Two issues out, I believe, so far. I yeah, really I enjoyed it. Um, not a lot of people are talking about it, but I really enjoy it. Well, yeah, I was Wrong. excited to hear about yeah Colin on the book. I, I bought the issues, ha- haven't read them, haven't said. I'm a huge Conan fan though, so uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited to read what what Colin's done with the character. And one of them has a, I think the I don't know if the first, the second issue does, but the, they got Mark Schultz to do a cover, I think for for Conan, which is he was the guy who wrote and drew uh, Zenozoic Tales, which got made into a cartoon, Cadillacs and dinosaurs. And I'm a huge huge fan of that guy's work, but he does a great Conan. Oh, speaking of uh, Phil, Golden Key Alliance. Oh yeah, 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 Gold Key Alliance. Yes, yeah, yeah, Gold Key Alliance with and Brent, uh, and, yeah, Brent and Brent Peoples. Peoples. Yep. Yeah, Brent. Yeah, Brent's uh, been keeping me updated on that book. He's always showing me his uh, most recent penciled pages, and yeah, it, it's uh, that's a really cool book. I, I love that they've, they've got those characters, and I thought it was interesting that Valiant's kind of now doing their little. I you know they've got this they've got their own kind of Turok they've got Savage that B Clay Moore yep. is doing, and then yep. um, uh, I I can't remember who their answer to uh, Solar is I, I think they oh, a Divinity probably I guess that would probably be yeah the Divinity character so I thought that was interesting yeah now we I'm, get I'm, we get a bunch of new characters and get to still have I'm the gold key character I'm a big fan of Valley and I'm excited for uh, Stalinverse. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, I've yeah. obviously doing the covers for Divinity Three. Yeah. You know, they talked about the book to me, and um, it was a good excuse to finally sit down and read. You know, my copies. Uh, <laughs> whenever I get hired for something, I'm like, oh, I've got that, and we just dig it out and read it. Um, but uh, yeah, they, you know, I, it, I've been getting more into Valiant. Um, actually, actually, it was the first thing that I ever uh, that I that I actually no, excuse me, not the first. The second thing that I'd read by Jeff Lemire was was uh, The Valiant. Uh, before that, I really hadn't read much of his work. And uh, that really kind of brought me in. I started to like these characters. And then, um, yeah, I've gone back, and now I'm, I'm reading some of the older stuff. I just bought the the first trade for XO Man of War. Check that out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah it's, a, it's a really interesting universe, something that, yeah, I've never really dug into. But uh, just starting, I, I really like what, what I've been reading so far. Anybody else have any more questions? I am good. All right. Well, we're about at 45 minutes, so let's go ahead and wrap things up then. And, uh, Greg, thank you very much for coming on to the show. It's very, very, very much appreciated. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I, I had a blast. Always like talking comics and talking about myself. That's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> Two best things to talk about, yourself and comics. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Throw some beer and food in there, you got it made. I know. That's all we needed. Yeah. <laughs> 